and let's begin. So today's message is the uh, open door. I want to just again uh, say good morning to everyone and I wish you all have a great week and a great weekend so far. And so uh, the verse we want to look at is in Revelation 3.8. He says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that we can gather here this morning brothers and sisters all together, and we just uh, just pray that you open our hearts, help us to hear from you this morning. Uh, may you speak through me as well, and um, just pray that your love once again will strengthen us, or that your word once again will strengthen us, your grace will strengthen us, and we just, um, yeah, just lift it all up to you this time, to you, Lord. Pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So today's verse actually was the verse given by my church for this year, for 2021. And so this verse given by my church, to me, I was very encouraged by this verse. It gave me a lot of faith to see from this verse that God has opened the door for me. Um, I I see it as uh, open the door of ministry for me and also open the door of people's hearts that they will respond, they, they will listen to God's word. So that's why uh, in January, uh, February, uh, March, I think um, when I preach, I just had this, uh, you know, renewed faith that uh, God will let people's hearts to be open. And uh, again, today, I also believe that God will continue to speak powerfully to all of us. And since this verse is such a powerful verse for me, I thought it would be good to share with everyone because every word of God, right, is for all of us. Amen. As I study the background for this verse, which is the word of God to the sixth church out of the seven churches that God addressed in the book of Revelation which is the church in Philadelphia. So Philadelphia is, means that, means the city of brotherly love. We also have a US city named Philadelphia in Pennsylvania, which was founded by Quakers. That was back in 1682. And it was supposed to be a place where people can enjoy religious freedom. So it was named after this ancient city in Philadelphia which is in today's Turkey. And Philadelphia at that time was founded by colonists from the city of Pergamum. And that was under the king of Pergamum. Uh, his name was Atlas II. He reigned from 159 to 138 BC before Christ. So he was named, called Philadelphus. He was called Philadelphus because of his love for his older brother. So Philadelphia was 
named after this king and was founded for the purpose of spreading Greek culture and Greek language to the surrounding region, especially to Lydia and Phrygia. And they accomplished this so well that by AD 19, the Lydians have forgotten their own language and only knew Greek. The archaeologist Sir William Ramsey said that Philadelphia was, quote, the center of the diffusion of Greek language and Greek letters in a peaceful land and by peaceful means, unquote. So knowing this background, we can understand why the risen, the exalted Christ spoke to the Philadelphia church saying, I have placed before you an open door. So what is this open door? It could be the open door to spread the gospel. Just as Philadelphia was a city created for the purpose of spreading Greek culture and language peacefully. We know our gospel is a gospel of peace. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings peace between us and God, and also peace between each other, even people, those who are enemies. So today, if we think about who are our enemies, I don't mean the spiritual forces of darkness. I don't mean Satan and his uh, the fallen angels who are the real enemy, but I just mean people. So who could be the enemies today? Could they be the people who are attacking the Asian Americans in a recent wave of anti-Asian attacks and violence? So how should we love our enemies then and pray for those who persecute us as Jesus taught us? And also what does it mean to trust in the Lord in this situation? What does it mean to seek the Lord in this situation? What kind of prayers can we pray in this situation? And who are people we should pray for? What steps should we take when we face unsafe or unfriendly situations? And how should we practice our trust in God, our compassion for others, our forgiveness of sinners, our, uh, the wisdom that comes from above? And all these are questions. And I'm asking us to, to think about how we can apply God's word in our lives. I remember when I was young, I lived in Los Angeles and I had to walk to and from the bus stop and also to and from the library and the supermarkets. At that time, there seemed to be daily reports on the news about random drive-by shootings. So I'm always fearful when walking on the streets not knowing if I will be that next victim of a random drive-by shooting. So I'm always fearful uh, when walking on the streets. And that was before I knew Christ. That's all I knew was to, to be fearful. But now, brothers and sisters, we know Christ. We know we live in a sinful, fallen world. But we know that our Lord promised to be with us, right? And so we can trust in him, right? We can trust in his protection. We can rely on him. And as we trust in him and have peace in him, could we still focus on the things that Christ has called us to do? 
one of the things that Christ calls us to do, right, is to be his witnesses, right, is to preach the gospel, share the gospel, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And most of all, do we still believe that our problem is really a sin problem and that the answer is only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ? That apart from Christ, people will still be enslaved by their sinful nature and under the dominion of the evil one. So let's think about God's purpose for the area that we live in today. I think about how the Bay Area is such a strategic center for the creation and the flow of technolo technological innovations and ideas to the whole world. Could God use the Bay, Area also, the Bay Area also as a strategic center for the spreading of the knowledge of his salvation to the world? When we look back at the ancient city of Philadelphia, we see that it's actually on a Roman imperial postal system, which circles the interior of the province. And if you look at the history of the cities that we live in today, in the Bay Area, like Melpitas, it, it serves as a crossroad between the mission, which is in today's Fremont, and the mission in today's Santa Clara during the 18th century, during the Spanish expedition. So these areas in the Bay Area were all part of a network of missions for the purpose of spreading the gospel. So do you think that God still might have a purpose for the cities in the Bay Area for the spreading of his gospel today? Another interesting feature of the ancient city of Philadelphia is, is that it was a great grape producing and wine making center. Does that make you Think about the Bay Area, what, what do we have here? We have the Napa Valley, right? Which is one of the world famous winery regions. So I also want to mention that the ancient city of Philadelphia was prone to earthquakes. In AD 17, there was a great earthquake which destroyed many of the cities there. In Philadelphia, the aftershocks from that earthquake lasted for years. And people lived outside the city for many years afterwards. And later, people never forgot about the earthquakes and lived in fear of it and was ready to run for their lives to the open area at any moment. Isn't this kind of like Bay Area, which is also prone to earthquakes, uh, although not as frequent? But maybe people in the Bay Area also feel that sense of insecurity, like Philadelphia, that they may need to leave at any moment maybe it's due to a job situation or for some other reason. And we all know how expensive uh, uh, housing is here. So that's why when God spoke these words in Revelation 3, 12 to the church in Philadelphia, it will be very meaningful. He says, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. So God promised the Philadelphia church the reward of never, never having to leave, never, never having to leave the city of God. And they will, there, they will be there permanently as a pillar in the temple. 
Because usually after an earthquake in the ancient city, the only structure which remains is the pillar of the temple. We see this today as well when we go visit ancient ruins. This picture is from Israel, it's from Caesarea, which is by the sea. Caesarea is Israel by the sea. The remaining, you see the remaining marble pillars, and that was from a palace back in, in the uh, first century. And then so the only structure there that remains is the pillar. So uh, this is a picture that God wants to see that he wants to give us that security, that permanence of living in the heavenly city. Do you also have that security, that sense of security, that sense of permanence in your relationship with God? Are you holding on to God's promises of security? God's promises of permanence when you're faced with the insecurity and impermanence of life. The, the Bible commentator William Barclay says that out of the seven churches, Philadelphia received the, high, the greatest praise from God. And another commentator wrote, quote, of the seven churches, only two pleased God, Smyrna, the suffering church, and Philadelphia, the true church, unquote. So we see from history that Philadelphia was the only city which stood firm in the faith, in the Christian faith, when Turks and Muslims took over Asia Minor. It remained a free Greek Christian city for centuries until the middle of the 14th century as the last stronghold of ancient, of Asian Christianity along with Smyrna. Today, as Christians living in this very secular Bay Area, we see that in the 2010 U.S. religion census, that in the Santa Clara County, that 56.4% people say that they're not adherent to a religion. So for religion, they're none. So that's 56.4%. And for the, for the other, um, we see Catholics are 25.1%, Evangelical Protestants, 8.3%, Mainline Protestants, 2.5%, Orthodox, 0.4%, Black Protestants, 0.1%, and then the other is 7%. So also in Barna's 2015 report of churchless cities in America, the Bay Area, which includes San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose, uh, guess who took first place? Uh, we did. We took first place at, with 61% of the population as unchurched. So people who are not going to church. So like the Church of Philadelphia, Will we be, as Christians, and our church also, will we stand firm for the Lord in the Bay Area, in Saratoga, in the place where, in this place where Christians are a minority? So today we will be focusing on Revelation 3.8 to see what, the open, what an open door means. So here are three things. One is an open door to God's kingdom. Two, an open door to ministry. And three, an open door to opportunity. Number one, an open door to God's kingdom. 
In Revelation 3, 7, it says to the church of the, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. The risen exalted Jesus Christ is holy because he is God, the second person of the Trinity. And as the creator, he is set apart from all his creation. Nothing in creation can compare with the creator. So holy means different, separate from. The word for true here means real and genuine. So what Jesus is saying is that in him is what's truly, what's purely real, what's truly and purely genuine. Because when we see Jesus, we see what is true and real love, right? When we see Jesus, we see what is real and true justice. When we see Jesus, we see what is the real truth. When we see Jesus, we see what is real grace. When we see Jesus, we see what is real wisdom. When we see Jesus, we see what is real righteousness. And when we see Jesus, we see what is real life. Today, people are looking for these things. People are looking for love. People are looking for justice, especially justice nowadays. People are looking for truth. And people are looking for wisdom. People are looking for life. And yet they do not come to Jesus. And we know that you can't truly find them apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus holds the key of David, which means that he has the key to the divided kingdom, the everlasting kingdom of God. Jesus holds the key because he has authority to admit those who can come into his kingdom. The Old Testament background for this verse is in Isaiah 22, 22. Here it says, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David, which what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. So this verse is speaking of Hezekiah's faithful steward, Eliakim, who had authority over all his house and who alone can admit people to the presence of the king. Jesus, as the new and living way, is the new and living way into the presence of God the Father. And he alone has authority to admit us into God's city, the new Jerusalem. The door of salvation has been opened for both Jews and Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So what does the open door to God's kingdom mean? It means that we have the freedom, we have the authority to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone, no matter who they are. It means that we have access to the kingdom of God and all its blessings through Jesus. And Paul says in Romans 14, 17 to 18, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. To be in the kingdom of God means that you have the privilege to serve the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And there's righteousness, there's peace, there's joy when you serve the Lord, amen? So how should we serve during these times of the pandemic restrictions? I see that two things you need as the foundation. First, you need 
to have fellowship with Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. And second, you need to have fellowship with the body of Christ, which is the church. To have fellowship with Jesus Christ, you need to read the Bible daily, whether it's just one verse, one chapter, or more a day. And reading the Bible and praying should be part of your daily habit. And to have fellowship with the body of Christ, I think you need to meet at least once a week with brothers and sisters to have fellowship, which is online during this time. And of course, we should not miss the Sunday worship. When we have fellowship with the Lord and have fellowship with the church, the Holy Spirit will guide us how we can serve. Okay? So the second point is the open door to ministry. So there are four things that I see we can learn from the Bible about open door for ministry. The first thing is that God opens the door for ministry. In 1 Corinthians 16, 8 to 9, Paul said, But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. So here the open door is for Paul to preach the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles and teach the disciples in Ephesus. So that at the end of two years, in Acts 19.10, he says, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So we don't dictate how God will open the door of ministry. But we just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, seeking his will through God's word, through his word. So I see biblical principles also guiding the planting of the home of Christ churches. And I see that I got this from the Home of Christ for English website. I want to show you this uh, excerpt. Quote, it says, according to the principles for local churches as revealed in the Bible, each Home of Christ will acquire local members, personnel, and local money finance in order to minister locally operation. If the Lord permits, we will expand our gospel basis and plant new churches in an orderly way that honors God and benefits men. So in this statement, I also see the seeking and the waiting on God to plant new churches. And therefore, we can trust God to open door of, the door of ministry for us. Yeah? Second point is that we should pray for open door for ministry. In Colossians 4.3, Paul asked the Colossians to pray for open door to preach the gospel. Verse 3 says, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. When we pray for ministries and missionaries, we should pray for God to open a door for their message. Pray that people will be open and friendly to the ministries and missionaries and welcome them into their sphere or their life. I also volunteer in international student ministry, and I see the importance of having the school officials being friendly to the ministry so that they may even promote some of our ministry events to the students. 
The third thing is sometimes the open door of ministry may not be the right opportunity. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 2, 12 to 13. Here, Paul mentioned that there was an open door for the gospel in Troas. But because of his concern for the Corinthian church, he did not have the peace to preach the gospel there. Verse 12 says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. So Titus was coming back with news from the Corinthian church. And Paul passed up a ministry opportunity out of his concern for the Corinthian church. Later, Paul did minister again in Troas on his return trip. In our Christian life or service, there may come to you open doors of ministry opportunities, but without the peace from God, you should not pursue them. And that's why we should get confirmation from God before accepting a ministry opportunity. Recently, I agreed to help out at a church-sponsored area-wide Bible memorization event called a scriptorium. However, due to a sudden family illness, which I can explain after the message, the host asked if I want to spend the time with a family member instead, which I gladly agreed and thanked her for letting me be released from this ministry commitment. And therefore, we can trust in God to guide us in serving and trust that he will guide you to go or not to go. I remember signing up for also for a short-term mission trip one time and later decided for some reason that I uh, not to go. And I was at peace. I was at peace with the decision not to go. So today, how about your ministry commitments? Do you have peace also with all your ministry commitments? Number four is to support ministries to open door people groups. In Acts 14, 27, the open door is the opportunity for Gentiles to respond to the gospel. Verse 27 says, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and all how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. As Christians, we need to be alert. We need to be alert when God opens the door of faith to a certain people group. I see that the Chinese people have been an open door people group in the last 30 some years, including me who was saved during this time. However, the open door may not last forever. So we need, may not always last forever. So we need to make the most of the opportunity when there is an open door. We never know how long the door will be open. And if we respond too slowly or with too little effort, then we will have missed out the window of opportunity. Right now, we have a young adult from our church serving a prayer ministry that is reaching the youth on the internet. And she showed in her newsletter that they had almost 50,000 likes on their ministry's page or a social media app. And so they're reaching tens of thousands of youth online with biblical truth through, through their uh, platform. The online youth, if you will, can also be like a people group. And God may be opening the door of faith during this pandemic to this people group. And I think we should support ministries that are, uh, that are reaching the open door people groups right now. 
My third point is door open to, to opportunity. The phrase to open a door is actually a Greek idiom, a Greek phrase that means to make possible some opportunity. So what doors of opportunity has got opened for you personally during this pandemic? Uh, of course, I mean the opportunity to glorify and serve the Lord, not the opportunity to sin. We should make no opportunity for sin in our lives because we have died to sin, right? We have been buried with Christ by baptism into death so that we can be raised with Christ to a new life. So I believe that where God has put you is where he will open up doors of opportunity for you to glorify him. So be faithful where you are. Don't keep thinking, I should be somewhere else. If God put you in a school, in a learning environment, do your best to enjoy the learning and really learn the material that is there. If God gives you certain responsibility in the family, do it gladly and then do more than what is asked. And God gives you a job, do it with all your heart as serving the Lord and not just serving people. Trust that God will reward you for your faithfulness. And also prepare yourself for a post-pandemic world. How will you live differently compared to how you lived before the pandemic? Remember what Christ said to the Philadelphia church. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So the little strength here means not only small in number, but also small in resource. So it doesn't matter the size of the church or the resources they have. What matters is that they will be like the humble but true Philadelphia church, being faithful to the word of Christ and not deny his name. Amen? I see that in March, that Reverend Ben also preached on this passage. Uh, I didn't listen to the message myself. I saw the notes uh, in the Slack. So consider this as a double encouragement to you that God really values you as his church, as his people. The Lord Jesus Christ values whatever strength you have to offer to him. And God is looking for your faithfulness. And therefore, bask in the love of God and continue to serve the Lord fervently and be faithful to his word. Not looking to, to the praise from men, but the praise from God. Will you receive the praise from the Lord and see him open the door for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just... Thank you for your word um, to the Church of Philadelphia, in the, especially in this Revelation 3.8 uh, verse that, that you have uh, opened the door for us. I just pray, Lord, that you will help us to be uh, like the Philadelphia Church, to be humble and true to you, Lord. And uh, that whatever strength that we have, we may be feeling little strength right now. We may feel that we have little strength or opportunity uh, to continue to live, uh, to glorify you with our lives. But Lord, whatever little strength that we have, we offer to you, and we know that you open the door for us as we live faithfully to you. And so once again, Lord, we ask that you strengthen our faith in you, uh, strengthen us, Lord, and help us, Lord, to continue to be uh, like the faithful uh, church in Philadelphia, Lord, to 
continue to be faithful. And we just thank you, Lord, for all your grace, all your love, Lord, that you have uh, poured out into our heart, into our lives. We just want to give our praise to you, our thanks to you. And we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.